The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Well, good afternoon. Good afternoon, and thank you for joining us at Leadership Matters. Today we have a really interesting show. I am Jenny Frumer, and I am co-hosting the show with John Ginetta. And I'm going to introduce John in just a couple of minutes and also his guests. Um, I'm just so pleased that you are joining us here today because we really have been thinking a lot about leadership. And I know that over the past few months and actually a year or so, we've really looked at leadership and mostly domestically. And one of the things that we decided um, was that there was a growing interest about global sharing and how we can really learn from one another globally. And so today, John Gianetto, who is co-hosting with me, um, is here with two guests, which he'll introduce in a couple of minutes. And just to give you a word about uh, me, I bring you greetings from West Palm Beach with Elper Jewish Family and Children's Service. And John is the CEO at Heartland Family Service since 1999 in Omaha, Nebraska. John, welcome. I'm so pleased that you are co-chairing or co-hosting the show with me today. And would you go ahead and kind of introduce your guests a little bit and let's set the the groundwork for the rest of the show. Sure. Thanks, Jenny. I'm excited to be here today co-hosting with you. And with me, as you said, I have a couple of guests. First, I have um, Oksana Shabas. Oksana is actually, um, her, her real job is she is a pro- program manager with U.S. Peace Corps in Ukraine, Kiev, Ukraine. And, um, and then also um, I have Natalia Ivanov, and Natalia works for a non-governmental organization in Dolnia, which is a small um, town in western Ukraine, and she'll tell us more about that uh, when, when she, when, uh, in just a moment. And and both women are involved with the program that we're going to be talking about a little bit today called uh, the Open World Leadership Center. And I was just going to ask you, John, to talk a little bit about the um, Open World Center. But before you do that, I'm really curious to know um, you have a full-time job. I know you from the Executive Leadership Institute a couple of years ago through the Alliance for Children and Families. And we've had the opportunity, which I've been thrilled about, to work on different projects over the time. So as busy as you have been and are, how did you get involved with Open World? Well, it's kind of a long story, but it goes all the way back to 1998 when I was working at our local community college. And we were invited to be a part of a program 
that the U.S.-Ukraine Foundation, which is a small nonprofit in Washington, D.C., uh, which they were um, implementing called the Community Partnerships Project. It was a $6 million project funded by USAID to match 18 cities in Ukraine with 18 cities in the United States. And uh, if for those of you who follow history much, you know that was about five years after um, Ukraine uh, received its independence. And the U.S.-Ukraine Foundation, which was started by Ukrainian diaspora, wanted to support Ukraine in that, um, in their sort of, their history of development as they move from um, the post-Soviet world um, into the modern, um, you know, sort of a capitalist free market economy with democracy and all that sort of stuff. And that's not an easy transition for anybody, of course. And so wanted to do what they could to support that transition and thought perhaps one way to help would be by forming these city partnerships and having local government officials, people who work in city government, um, engaged in reciprocal exchanges to share information about how we do things. And so initially I was involved because I was a grant and contract coordinator, and then ultimately the person who was doing it at the college left to work elsewhere, and I was the only other person really involved at that point. Um, And so they asked me to take it over. Um, We were supposed to bring one more delegation from Omaha there and one more delegation from Ukraine here. And then uh, more funding was um, continued for three more years. And then I I found a grant from the State Department to do high school exchanges. Along the way, the U.S.-Ukraine Foundation asked me to serve on their board of advisors. And they developed a relationship with the Open World Leadership Center to provide the one-week experiences here in the United States for the delegates selected from Ukraine. And then through that process, they would um, ask me if I would put together those programs for delegations uh, for one week in Omaha. So like I was saying, you are incredibly busy. Yes. And um, I know that you've been to Ukraine on a number of different occasions as part of a delegation. Yes, I've been, I think, seven or eight times I've lost track over the years. And I'm going to be going again in the fall. Incredible. And and for our listeners, we're going to give them some information at the end of the show how they might think about getting involved in this type of exchange. Um, can you talk a little bit more about the open world exchange, which countries are involved, uh, you know, just in terms of numbers, just to give an idea of the um, breadth and scope of open world? I think I'll ask um, Oksana. Oksana, maybe Oksana could do that. Oksana, like I said, works for the Peace Corps, but um, the way Open World um, structures the program, every time they send a delegation, and delegation is usually five delegates who are nominated and then selected to participate. Every delegation is um, comes over to the United States with a paid facilitator, and the facilitators, oh, oh they're not paid, uh, unpaid facilitators, so people who volunteer to do this, they have to be... Um, um, they have to be fluent in English because one of the things that they do is they interpret in the off hours. Um, and then they basically make sure everyone gets here safely, gets home safely, and um, is doing well with their hosts, families. They call them every night and double check and make sure they know what's going on so, the next day. So they're day. kind of like an adult chaperone. Like an adult <laughs> chaperone. Yeah, yeah. And so um, Oksana has done this six, I think this is the sixth time she's accompanied a group. So she really understands the program. So Oksana, maybe you could tell us. Yeah, that. yeah. That's, uh, uh, well, I'm privileged, really privileged to be the facilitator for the open world delegations. And uh, each time is, it's an amazing experience to see how the delegates are learning new things. And then on the return to Ukraine, how they implement those ideas into their daily work and develop new projects. So, 
and a couple of sentences about the Open World Program that's their an exchange and partnership program designed to enhance their mutual understanding and cooperation between uh, Eurasian and com- countries and Eurasian communities and American communities. Uh, and what happens, uh, as John said, uh, uh, they send the group of five delegates to their open world, uh, to the hosting organization in their American community that uh, develops the program based on their theme of the open world program and uh, the interests of the delegates. Uh, right now, we are. I, I brought the delegates that work in the non-governmental sector in Ukraine. All of them represent uh, uh, NGOs in their local communities, and uh, they're learning about Harvard Family Service and uh, uh, they work and the part public and private cooperation in the United States. Also, the delegates, uh, as part of the cultural exchange, they live in the host host, um, uh, families. families. Uh, Yeah, host families, and they learn about uh, daily life of Americans uh, uh, and and explore America from a different side uh, uh, as well. And uh, uh, this program is managed uh, by the Open World Leadership Center, which is the U.S. legislative branch agency. And you were asking about countries that participate in the Open World Program. Mm -hmm. So these are Armenia, Azerbaijan, Georgia, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Moldova, Russia, Serbia, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, Uzbekistan, and Ukraine. And in uh, 2013, uh, there will be two more countries added to participate, uh, which is Egypt and Mongolia. So as you see, we have wow. delegations from all around the world coming on this trip. And, uh, uh, and when they come back to their host countries, to their, to their countries, uh, uh, they are actively involved uh, in the alumni activities. Uh, some of them develop professional and cultural contacts with their American counterparts mm-hmm. and uh, they keep communicating different issues and uh, they work together on the establishment of some projects maybe or some different activities and uh, uh, some develop contacts and uh, come and visit each mm-hmm. other later on. So basically cooperation uh, is everlasting. Wow. So this is really a deep and breadth, tremendous breadth in terms of all these countries and um, all of these delegates that go different places and learn from their local communities, like as I understood, the five delegates are learning about heart um, um, family services. Mm -hmm. And um, Yes, and, and each country identifies, I'm not sure exactly what the process is, but each country has the opportunity to work with the staff in the Open World Leadership Center to identify the themes of most importance to them and the future of their country that they want the delegates to be selected for to explore when they come here. So um, each one is different, but in Ukraine, the themes are around accountable governance, um, economic development, freedom of the press, and for us, um, nonprofit management, or as Oksana referenced, non-governmental organization, because in, in international development, international work, most other countries, they refer to nonprofits as non-governmental organizations or NGOs. As NGOs, usually. Yeah. John, what, are, what did the delegates actually do? What kinds of things do you set up for them? So, yeah, as the coordinator, then, it's my responsibility to set up their their um, itinerary, which I have to send in and sort of get approved. 
If there are any issues, they'll let me know. Um, and 32 hours, uh, it, it, so they arrive on a Saturday usually, and then they leave the following Saturday or Sunday. So it's about 10 full days that they're in, in the host city. And I have to, um, in that time, I need to have at least 32 hours of programming that focuses on their theme and an additional eight hours of cultural activities, although usually we go way over the eight hours. And, of course, you need to leave time for host family activities and, of course, shopping because everyone always wants to go shopping. Of course, too. of course. But, you know, so I always build the, the agenda around the theme. And then, as well, uh, as soon as I, I find out we're getting a, a, um, a delegation, they will send me a biography on each of the delegates. And, and in those biographies, I can see what kind of work they currently do and what their responsibilities are. But it also tells me what they're interested in learning about while they're here. And I use that to help me set up sort of the agenda. So um, it might be this particular group is really interested in uh, financial administration, grant writing, strategic mm -hmm. planning, um, community advocacy, um, community relations, and those sorts of themes. And then do you also set them up with the host families? How do you recruit host families? Yep, I recruit the host families too. And, and then I, I have to um, send... Uh, that's one of the deliverables I have to send back to Open World. In addition to the agenda, I send them a list of all the host families and a little bio on each. All that gets translated and sent mm -hmm. to the facilitator, who then sends that out to the delegate so they have the opportunity to know a little bit about where they're going. And if they want to bring, bring gifts to their host families, they'll know what kinds of gifts possibly to bring. Wow. I feel really humbled because I've been part of professional exchanges with Israel, and on a similar kind of theme, but not the scale, um, there are some cities and federations, Jewish federations, that are partnered with cities in Israel. And so we were partnered and are partnered with the Tzaha region, which is in the northern part of Israel, which includes Fat. And we've had some partnership exchanges where two or three um, of our staff, for example, will go over to Israel, a group of nine or ten, um, but it seems much more uh, sporadic, and I really understand the value of being together for learning purposes, yeah. which is, is just so important to do the culture exchanges you indicated as well as the actual learning of content and skills. And I, w I want to add that uh, it's really important. So before, before you carry on with that, I've just got the cue, which brings us to a break. Oh, the time okay. went by very, very fast. Um, so just hang on to your thought, if you will. And right after this commercial break, we will be back. business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. 
Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hi, welcome back. Wow, that segment went really fast. We're all about informing leaders and inspiring solutions. And one of the things that we're talking about today is global sharing locally. And we've really kind of pumped out a lot of information there. And you can, I hope, feel the excitement about open world and the professional exchange that we've been discussing. And I'm co-hosting today with John Giannetta. And John, I'm going to hand it over to you. Yeah, so um, before we went to break, Akana was going to mention something, and so I'm going to ask Akana to maybe yeah. finish sharing that thought. Yeah, thank you, John. Uh, we were mentioning about this professional, great opportunity for Ukrainians to do the professional exchange in the U.S., but besides of that, uh, since they're living with host families, they are able to learn about uh, uh, American life from the inside, Amer- the values that Americans share, they are to learn more about the mentality which helps them understand the work processes in place and uh, get a bigger picture of, uh, you know, what is that that drives Americans to be democratic, to be uh, patriotic, and uh, to work for the community and with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was going to add to that. I think there's also, at least from my experience hosting, being the host, as I have seen a, a number of these groups come through, and I think there's a great exchange that occurs within the delegations as well because if you're familiar with Ukraine's history, you know there's somewhat of a political, historical divide between East and West, different languages, different um, sort of histories in terms of other countries that were involved um, politically in their development um, because Ukraine has almost always been occupied by somebody else. Everyone always wanted to have Ukraine. And so um, it really shaped the history of the country in different ways. And so sometimes I think... Too much is made of those divisions, but when the um, when you just at the political level, but when you just meet the people, it's not those divisions don't seem to be nearly as important, and you can really see that with these delegations because they always send people from all over the country, not just from one region or the other, and so it's. You know, I don't know, Jenny, you were just talking about how you have your exchange program with another agency in northern Israel. I don't know if um, you're 
your staff have felt this way, but I've had the experience of being a Peace Corps volunteer. And whenever you go to another country and you run into people who have the same cultural background as you, you almost instantly connect and you find out how much you have in common. Whereas if you just ran into them here in the United States, you might never discover all those commonalities. And so I think it's been kind of cool to see how these delegations really become very close and oftentimes I think remain friends forever after they return back to Ukraine. And, and maybe someone who can talk about that is Natalia Ivanov, who is one of the um, delegates that we have here in Omaha, who happens to be a fluent English speaker. Three years ago, she didn't even speak English, but because of her work with U.S. Peace Corps volunteers in her, in her uh, community, she is now a beautiful English speaker. So, Natalia, tell us about your sort of impression so far. Maybe, maybe why, why did you want to be in the Open World Program? Uh, yeah, so uh, as John told before, I work for our local NGO in my little town, and uh, we started uh, to work on different projects when uh, American Peace Corps volunteers arrived to our town, and they taught us uh, how to work with the Western standards and what we can do for our community and how we can make difference in our community. So that's why for me right now to be a member of Open World Program, it's really it's a great chance to see how NGOs work in your country here, to, uh, to share the experience and to see what we can improve and come home with new ideas and with new skills, what would help me to make like even maybe something more impressive for my community and for my country. Natalia, um, I know it may be too soon, having been here for a relatively short period of time. Is this your first trip to the United States and the delegation? Yeah, this is my very first time. I traveled to Europe before, but USA is it's so much different and very interesting to explore. This. What would you say come to mind in terms of the primary differences or the, the differences that stick out for you between NGOs in the Ukraine and uh, Heartland Family Services, for example, a nonprofit in the USA? At first, uh, all our group, all our delegates, we were impressed with the amount of different programs which uh, Heart and Family Service are implementing and with the amount of employees, with uh, different departments. Because in Ukraine, most of NGOs, they would have maybe like up to 10 people working. At my local NGO, we have only three employees, and three of us would work uh, on, uh, like on different uh, grants, and we would do all the work. So for us, it's really impressive. Mm-hmm. And I, think, in, I think there's one distinction, too. Yeah. A, big, a big reason for that is that in Ukraine still, and this might change, I don't know, but the um, funding comes down from the, from the um, central government to the cities, and city governments are really responsible for pretty much everything, education, health, welfare, youth, sports, culture, everything. And so there's not this practice necessarily of, uh, you know, like in our examples where oftentimes the federal government or the state government or federal through the state, they will contract with private providers like our agencies to do the work. Instead, the cities employ people to do the work. And NGOs, they go, they have to raise money, get grants, uh, oftentimes from European granting agencies or U.S. granting agencies to be able to do, they, to do work that supplements the work of the city officials. 
Yeah, sure. It helps a lot for our communities because there is always a lack of budget and there is like not enough funding for doing different things and for working with different target groups at our communities and having different having local NGOs making uh, no, we just very often give chance, especially to youth, to achieve something new in their life, mm-hmm. to learn something, mm-hmm. to volunteer, you know, so it's mm-hmm. like just the whole... Yeah, like in the United States, we have to end up doing quite a bit of fundraising. We do go after grants, and sometimes we get grant funded, but we're going after what we call donors and the big gifts and the individual gifts and things like that. Is that something that happens in NGOs in Ukraine as well? Yeah, we are. We would often do fundraisings at our community too, and uh, this was also the thing that uh, uh, bring our peaceful volunteers. They taught us about fundraising, and at first it was very difficult to explain this to our people because you are growing with this. You understand why would you volunteer and why. Uh, why would you fundraise? And for our people, it was a brand new. Why, sh- why should they give money? Why should they donate? And it was our main task to explain that you would donate to the community, not personally to our NGO or not to someone. You donate this money, and this money will come back to the community. Mm. So they have a, you know, a very different history, which makes mm-hmm. fundraising the context so different. So, for example, they don't have any sort of tax incentives for donating or, or that history um, sort of rooted in a lot of our faith traditions here about why you would donate. Um, and that's going to, that will evolve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it seems to me, um, having worked with people from the former Soviet Union, that the concept of volunteerism was not really part of their everyday lives. And you just made me think now, John, that some of that is uh, possibly kind of a real culture of uh, almost like Christian Judaic concepts and faith-based. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a certain part of it. Mm -hmm. That certainly, I think, influences a lot of um, giving in our country. Um, and I think probably the same will happen in Ukraine. It's just it's uh, an evolution. We, you know, yeah, as John said, it's an, the evolution that will eventually happen in Ukraine because the concept of volunteering is uh, foreign for Ukrainians, you know, because a lot of them are trying to survive and to earn money for survival. Mm-hmm. But uh, the more, uh, this, with time progressing, people start to volunteer a little bit of their time. And uh, this is uh, uh, what nonprofit organizations start to uh, motivate and to inspire, inspire citizens to volunteer for their communities. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, they're, starting, they're starting to see how it benefits. Yep, yep. And that's yeah. So, so what are some of the leadership challenges that you have in the Ukraine? Leadership challenges that we have in Ukraine, how it's complicated. Uh, at first thing... Uh, my opinion is that uh, it's very important right now to bring um, like this op- opportunity for youth uh, to feel that they can do something, that they can be responsible for some projects, for some events, because usually we have this like still post-Soviet system, education system at schools, you know, and a teacher and those school students, they use that, like, teachers would tell them what to do. Someone would make all the decisions for them. Mm-hmm. 
And mm-hmm. by implementing this project and making those kids be responsible for different kinds of tasks and events, with this we bring this like inner belief in them that they are like adults. They can do something and they can bring changes and like they are strong. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like the same, it just different context and different cultural aspects, but in terms of that type of leadership challenge, it's, social change is something we're constantly dealing with as it relates to youth as well. Yeah. And also to add more to that, uh, uh, speaking about leadership challenges in Ukraine, uh, a lot of people, because of, you know, we were transitioning from the Soviet Union to being independent as a country, mm-hmm. people uh, spent all the time, uh, you know, earning money to survive in Ukraine. And this concept of uh, doing for the community, volunteering their time and efforts uh, went behind, went away a little bit. And now people start more thinking what they can do for their country and uh, how they can unite. And um, one of of the biggest issues is to mobilize the community and to teach them trust each other and trust the government. That is what uh, young leaders um, are faced. Mm -hmm. And uh, they put a lot of efforts into mobilizing the community. Are you saying modernizing? Mobilizing. 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 Sorry, I just wanted to clarify that. So engaging and mobilizing um, seems to be a, a, a theme that I'm hearing that is one of the biggest leader, leadership challenges. Yep. You know, and the interesting thing for me, and my perceptions have been shaped a lot by open world, but the delegates who come here are like sponges. Yeah. They write everything down that they hear, and at the very end, we'll do a, an evaluation. And I'll ask them, you know, what, what are some things you're going to do when you get back? And they already have this whole list of things that they want to accomplish. And um, I can't even imagine if anyone were ever to take up the um, opportunity to study what specific things have happened in Ukraine because of open world. I can't imagine what the impact would be. It would have to be staggeringly enormous. Mm -hmm. I'll give you the example about uh, their results uh, that uh, the delegates of of open world brought to the community. I I was working with one of the uh, head of education department in a small city in western Ukraine, and uh, before coming to open world, he was very, you know, traditional Soviet Union oriented uh, educator. And in the U.S. he saw all those, uh, you know, screens, all those computers and classrooms uh, and kids, the radio system in the school and uh, kids attentive, attending different electives. Uh, and he came back to Ukraine and he started writing grants to get computers, to get mm. to set up the radio system in the local school. And uh, he said that We need to change something. We need to give uh, our youth, uh, we need to empower our youth to do something in the community. And and that is really like a priceless example, and that's the impact piece that you were talking about, John. I got a cue again that we're going to go to break. When we come back, uh, we will pick up right where we have just left off. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. the boardroom to you voice america business network 
Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Welcome back. And Valerie Wright, our co-producer, has joined us. Uh, Valerie, welcome. Thank you, Jenny. It's good to be here. Yeah, we're pleased to have you. And Valerie is from Right Ideas Unlimited, and we've been having this fascinating conversation. I get very excited about these kinds of opportunities and learning from our guests. I'm co-hosting today with John Gianetta, and I'm going to hand it over to you once more, John. So um, we were just talking about sort of what the impact uh, open world might have on the communities, and um, Oksana gave us a really good example. I, I wondered, maybe Natalia, it, it, I don't know if you've thought about it yet, but what are some things you're thinking you might take from this experience and implement when you get back to your community? And then don't forget, John, we may have some questions from oh, yeah, our listeners that um, Valerie may have for us. That would be great. So Valerie, do you want to start there, and Natalia will come back to you? Sure. Okay. Okay. Um, we have a question from um, Albert in Mississippi. Albert says, as a nonprofit leader in this country, nonprofits often receive technical support for organizations to develop themselves through management support organizations. In the Ukraine, where do NGOs look to receive support in building organizational capacity? Hmm. Uh, uh, Oksana, I think Oksana question. has some ideas. Yeah, uh, usually NGOs uh, look for such uh, um, from for grants from such organizations as the USAID, uh, uh, 
other European uh, European communities, uh, uh, European embassies, uh, stuff like that. And also, uh, since Peace Corps in Ukraine is a big program, uh, a lot of organizations apply for the Peace Corps volunteer, which uh, and those people help them to develop the capacity, to develop their organizational structure, strategic planning, and uh, to build their organization, uh, non profit organization in Ukraine. I know, for example, um, through my involvement with the U.S. Ukraine Foundation, they were able to use some of the funding that they acquired to the United States Agency for International Development, or USAID, um, to create regional training centers across the country where people could go. I think initially they were focused mostly on people who work in local government, but I think ultimately nonprofit organizations or NGOs were taking advantage of the trainings that they were offered, and they were all focused on capacity building, and it was really excellent. And also, American Embassy can provide some trainings for their non-governmental organizations. That was a great question that Albert had. Thank you, Valerie. Mm-hmm. I have another question from Martha in Maryland. Martha says, how well do NGOs and for-profit companies work in partnership in the Ukraine, and what are some issues they face in working together? Martha, that's another really interesting question. You know, this came up the other day mm-hmm. at um, one of the meetings that we had at Heart on Family Service um, because the delegates were wondering that very thing. How do we get companies to collaborate with us? Because, um, that again, that history of collaboration hasn't always been there. But how, how do you do that, Oksana and Natalia? How do you get companies to donate or contribute in kind? For us, we would most, mostly survive just getting f- funds from different donors. Since we are from Little Town, and uh, some of our local entrepreneurs or organizations, they would donate uh, money or different items or help in different ways or volunteering when we would do community fundraising just for some events. But uh, they would not give us, like, co-funding. The only, the only way when we can get co-funding, it can be from our city hall. If we would apply for some kind of project, so city hall might just give us like 20% of in-kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and I, I know from my experience, um, particularly with our, our partner city in eastern Ukraine, Artemis, that uh, many NGOs started to learn about corporate sponsorship about, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago and um, would ask companies for donations and what have you. And initially, it was sort of, it was a similar sort of experience that you would see here where the NGO leaders or the nonprofit leaders would go and ask for a donation, just sort of focusing more on kindness, and this is something you ought to do for the community. And I remember having conversations with people because they would say it was frustrating that sometimes these companies weren't very supportive. And I would say, but you have to understand the primary reason a business exists is to make money. It's not to support NGOs. So if you're going to ask a business for a donation, you need to um, make sure that you're explaining to them what's in it for them. How will it contribute to their business? Which isn't really necessarily how those of us who are doing nonprofit work think. But that's how you can help companies want to partner is if you can show them, well, you'll, you'll be, you know, increasing your image in the community. People will think you're a better organization. They'll be more likely to support you. We have this many parents who have children at the school and they will like you better if you, you know, support this program or what have you, you know. And and sometimes the opportunity to be linked with another organization, as you said, promotes 
that partnership and collaboration in a community. And sometimes we can open doors as NGOs where private corporations cannot go. And so if we're linked with them, they get to go anyway. And so that win-win situation that you describe sounds like it's really universal. (laughs) You know, and again, they don't have the advantage of some of the laws that we do. They don't have a Community Reinvestment Act that requires banks to reinvest in the community. They don't have tax laws that make um, charitable contributions more attractive for their company. So they really have to work hard to get these business people to, to really consider making these sorts of donations. Yeah, that's why we are here. So we are learning how organizations work here, and we will try to change it in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Martha, that was just such a great question, and Valerie, thank you for bringing that to us. Mm-hmm. Um, Martha from Maryland, do you have any other questions, Valerie? Yes, I have um, a question from Vivian in Florida. Vivian says, as a nonprofit executive, my colleagues and I often speak about the lack of operational resources and inadequate facility at facility space as our top businesses business challenges. What do these leaders consider the top two challenges NGOs face in their country? Hmm. And who was that from again, Valerie? Vivian in Florida. Vivian in Florida. What are the top two challenges? Yeah, both challenges is the space for NGOs. Usually uh, local governments would support, and they would give, like, space. Sometimes they might give even some, like, necessary equipment for uh, local NGOs to, to work. Mm-hmm. And uh, speaking about the top two challenges that, based on my experience, what I see in Ukraine is their funding. Because uh, usually what happens with the NGOs, they uh, live by the grants. The grants that they have uh, help them finance and do the projects. And then once their uh, funding ends, uh, the NGOs have to look for other external funding, other grants to help them sustain themselves. Uh, this is one of the challenges that people try to uh, try to find external funding. And so, again, I, I really appreciate this conversation because... It seems to me that when we talk about leadership challenges, there really are similarities. There are clearly differences, but we're, we're all, as NGOs or nonprofits, constantly trying to find the funding to meet our mission, to do as much as we can. And it can be a really difficult thing for a leader to have to constantly kind of have their time spent trying to track this money down. Yes, and we were talking about that the other day, too, with the whole group about, you know, sometimes then what you'll see happen with some organizations, just like you do here, is you see mission creep or, mm-hmm. or that, you know, we always say the tail is wagging the dog so that, mm-hmm. you know, uh, an organization's, uh, an NGO's real mission, the real interest is maybe in helping young people, but the next thing you know, they're doing environmental protection mm-hmm. and, um who knows what else? Chasing the money. Whatever it takes to bring those resources in so they can really do what they love to do. But they'll do these other things, too, because it's good for the community and there isn't maybe somebody else doing it. Yeah. Wow. And Valerie, we need you to weigh in. What are you? Any thoughts, comments? Yeah, I actually agree. I was listening. There are 
um, definitely similarities in, t- in the struggles that NGOs have compared to the nonprofits in this country. And I, um, I think that the um, solution and partnership um, with um, this country and those NGOs will really help them because it's historically, I think John talked about it earlier, I think this is where our nonprofits started as they began to take more of a lead in changing conditions in our communities. Uh, it was to build that relationship with the government, build relationship with uh, for-profit organizations. I think it's just the evolution of uh, when people step to the plate and take charge of changing their own destiny and you get what emerges are uh, organizations that begin to take on the challenge of uh, social issues, social justice, and, and they will get their strength and find their voice, and I believe they will um, be able to impact the resources they need to continue to make that change. But I do hear, you know, the similarities in terms of leadership, training, access to resources, facility needs, all those things that we struggle with here. Mm -hmm. Maybe not to the same degree because there is um, at least perceived that we have more resources than maybe they have at this stage Mm -hmm. in their uh, development. But certainly And and if it's not more... Mm -hmm. Sorry, I interrupted you. That's okay. If it's not more resources, then maybe what we really have is an edge is more experience. Yes. As in exactly. longer lead time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I think that I hear the struggle is, is very similar, and I think the exchange is, is um, a good benefit both to organizations here and there. Um, I have a friend in Tallahassee who has participated with an exchange, a business exchange person, and has really benefited in her own work from having that person live with her and understand business from a different perspective. So I I just love this idea, and I'm listening and learning, even in my own work, Mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And I really want to thank you, Valerie, for your input and for participating in this conversation with us and for all these great questions from uh, pretty much Florida and... um, Maryland and uh, and also Albert. So thank you so much. And we're going to take a break and we're going to come back in just a few minutes. So thank, thank you. you so much, Valerie. Thank you. Enjoying the show. Thank Thanks. you, Valerie. Thank you. Thank you, John. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858 244 8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. G. Her email address is drg at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. The way we do banking today continues to evolve. No longer is it just brick-and-mortar locations, 
or traditional banker's hours. Today, banking is 24-7. It's in the home. It's on the go. It's digital. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how traditional banking as we know it has changed due to a loss of trust, changing economic conditions and consumer behavior, government involvement, and, of course, technology. What does it all mean? Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to drg at innovations.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Welcome back, everybody. We are so um, so happy that you're joining us for this final segment of our show. Um, be- before um, we started our last segment, I had asked Nat- Natalie a question about what, what her impressions were and, and, and what she was planning to do with the information she was learning while she was here. We sort of put that on pause so we could answer some viewers' questions, but now I'd like to return to that question and ask uh, Natalia if she could tell us, you know, what, what are you thinking about? What, what might you do when you get back to your, to your um, city? So the first thing, which is really great, because uh, in a two weeks after I will be back home to Ukraine, we would have our next big community fundraising for our children's hospital. And so I had the chance to talk to employees from Heartland Family Service who would do fundraising here in USA, and they shared the information about how they work with the donors, how to do it in the right way, and also how they would do promotion. This part is very important for, for me as we live in different countries, and so I really value this experience, and I took lots of, uh, like, lots of different handouts, and so I can study all of this at home and uh, improve my job, and I hope it will really help. You know, one of the things I've, I've been really impressed with um, in all these years I've been going back and forth to Ukraine is how innovative Ukrainian people are and how industrious what they can do with limited resources. Yeah. Um, you give, give somebody an idea and they will take it 100 miles with almost nothing to make it happen. It's just, you know, they'll just find the resources. They'll make, they'll reconfigure something that's being used one way and another way. I mean, even simple things, like I remember one of the first delegations I brought here in 1999, uh, I was touring them through another agency and they noticed the donor wall, which is a common way, you know, our um, sort of the research says you have to thank your donor seven different ways, seven different times, and donor walls are a good way, one way to thank them, and they thought that was a great idea. Next time I was in, in town, I was, they were taking me on a, uh, to visit one of the orphanages, and there on the wall was a donor wall, and they just used construction paper, but very artistically and using the children to help had created the most amazing donor wall that they were so proud of, and rightfully so. I mean, just every little thing, it was it's just incredible. Um, Oksana, what are, is there any, I know that you're not necessarily here as a delegate to learn, but I'm sure there's some things you're picking up. Or is there anything you're thinking about? Uh, yes, definitely. You know, I will uh, um, 
like is the same thing as fundraising, grant writing that we heard from your colleagues, from your employees and Heartland Family Service. Uh, I took a lot of ideas that I'm going to share with my Peace volunteers and Ukrainian counterparts in their organizations to uh, uh, develop similar programs. Uh, I remember we listened to this presentation about community campus uh, the other day, and I know that a lot of uh, organizations uh, and city councils uh, will, will be interested in hearing more about it and how to create the community campus and their community network in their towns. Yes, and Oksana is referring to Community Compass, which is an online tool that communities can yes. use that basically um, aggregates all the information about the um, NGOs or nonprofits in the community and so sort of a one-shop stop online um, so that you can um, all do, do all sorts of things like post for jobs or look for jobs depending on what perspective you're coming from. Or as a, as a nonprofit, if we have space that we're not using and we want to offer it for free or to lease to other um, nonprofits, they can find that there. It's really an incredible resource that we're just starting to implement in the Omaha area, Omaha Council Bluff. So, um, and, and, John, is that open to the public? Is there a website that people can go to? For the, um, for the community compass? Yes. Um, you know, we have uh, the, the, the website for our um, community compass, and, you know, I think as it, I wasn't involved in um, the actual um, implementation of it in terms of some of the planning and what have you, um, but the, um, if you want to go to midlandscommunitycompass.org, you can see what we did. But as I understand it, every community can customize it to the way that they would like. So it can almost be like a virtual um, shopping mall of who can offer what and where, and it's an exchange-type program? Essentially, but it does way more than that. It will map. Mm-hmm. It will show you, like, um, if you're looking for, a, let's say you're looking for a food pantry, it will show you all the food pantries within a particular part of town. Um, so it's, it's mapped to that. It has that mapping capability. So it's, it's really pulling together a lot of the latest technologies into one place to not only help um, um, the various uh, agencies coordinate and leverage resources better, share resources. It also allows the community to access those resources more easily. That sounds really fascinating. And, and so the, the Ukrainian delegation was really excited about it. Uh, we actually um, we were visiting our, um, uh, a local agency here that we have for capacity building called the um, Nonprofit Association of the, Bil- the Midlands, and it's something that they've undertaken in collaboration with a couple of um, local foundations, our Omaha Community Foundation, our Iowa West uh, Community Foundation, um, um, because Omaha is uh, part of a larger metropolitan area that includes a part of southwest Iowa. And so our two states in this particular part of, of, of our two states, we work very closely together. And so, you know, all these various parts of the community have come together, again, really thinking about it from a community impact level, how can we better leverage our limited resources to go, to go farther with those resources and do more to help the community? You know, one of the things that, as you've been talking, I keep going back to was your comment about how um, you, you experienced and um, understood that within the Ukrainian NGOs how willing they were to really stretch, like go with an idea and be very industrious and really push. And I know here we talk a lot just at this organization, but generally I think amongst ourselves here in the U.S., we talk a lot about creativity and innovation. And um, we kind of do some of that, as we know with some of our colleagues, 
um, stretching and, um, as we would say, culturally quetching, um, which translates into complaining a lot. Um, and there's so much, I think, that we tend to take for granted and have expectations about. And I, I wonder if you can comment on that. Yeah, I mean, I think um, we certainly have more resources at our, disposable and pr- our disposal and probably fewer barriers to success. I mean, um, the, the reality of this work in Ukraine is it's extraordinarily challenging. Um, there are a lot of barriers besides funding. One of the things we've talked a lot about is corruption is a big issue. Again, it's, it's an evolving um, society. Um, very similar to how ours evolved. I remember early on in Omaha's history, uh, we had a mayor, but the mayor didn't run anything. We had a boss, a city boss, who, mm. who really ran the community. And that, that went on for a long time, and it took some really brave people to change that dynamic. And that you see that happening all across Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Brave wow. people are standing yeah. up, and they're trying to change that dynamic. But we all know that that takes time. Mm-hmm. And... Um, but and and it's so encouraging. These young people that are coming, these young professionals like Natalia and Oksana, are really, really making a difference, and that can't be understated. Yeah, and I really want to make sure that we take a minute, that I take a minute at least, um, Natalia and Oksana, to really, really thank you. I've I've not shown my appreciation along the way. I've just wanted to leave the time to make sure we really get a lot of information in there in an exchange. Um, but really want to share my appreciation with you and show my appreciation for you um, agreeing to do the show with both John and I and for sharing as much as you have. And I want to leave just time to make sure that any last thoughts or lessons learned that you would like to leave us with. Well, thank you, and thank you for inviting us to this show. Really appreciate it, and um, I just want to say that we are lucky to be a part of the Open World Program, and we are lucky to have such a host coordinators, John, and uh, all the host families, and uh, we are really blessed with the experience that we are getting in the USA. Yeah, thank you so much. We are very happy to be a part of this program today, and uh, we are happy that we had the chance to share our expression and uh, our expectations from this program and to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, John, any last last thoughts? Yeah, just uh, thank you, Oksana and Natalia, for agreeing to come on the show. Really appreciate it, and uh, I've appreciated getting to know you, and we'll look forward to the rest of this week. We have some exciting um, things still on our program to do. Mm-hmm. What kinds uh, of things are you, do you have planned? Well, uh, tomorrow they're going to spend most of the day in our agency um, talking about uh, financial administration and strategic planning with our and um, strategic deployment. And uh, we have a really dynamic chief strategy officer who I think is going to make the day really interesting for them. Well, it sounds sounds like they have a lot ahead of them. And I'm, John, thank you so much for co-hosting with me. I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but we're totally out of time. fine. Thank you, Jenny. I really, really appreciate it. And if anyone's interested, it's www.openworld.gov. Thank you so much. And please join us next week for Leadership Matters, inspiring, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. Take care, everybody.
Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. and Jenny Frumer is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Oh, 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 oh,